We are glad you're here. This is pretty much every Sunday. If you're a visitor, it's what it's like. Uh, happy Easter. Um, it's April Fool's Day also, which uh, I don't know if that was lost on a- anyone. I've never enjoyed April Fool's Day at all. I, um, in my family, we love to laugh. We love to make each other laugh. But my mom has a certain sense of humor that's different than everyone else. She loves practical jokes a lot. And so uh, I'm going to tell you two stories. Don't hate my mom. She's, uh, she's very funny, and you have to know her to get it. But when I was 14 years old, uh, I forgot that it was April Fool's Day, and, uh, and that is a no-no in my house. And so I went in to go wake up my mom, and she pretended she was dead. Okay? <laughs> that only cost me seven years of counseling. That was it. That was it. No, she did. And she did a really good job of it. And, um, and then she just thought it was the funniest thing in the world. Because she thinks that the relief from the, from the prank is like, what is like money for you, right? Like she thinks, well, see what I did for you? I made you feel bad, but then you got to feel really good. That's her thing. When I went to college, forgot it was April Fool's Day. And my mom called me up and told me my dog had died. And uh, I know, listen to the horror, right? I know. If you met my mom, you would never guess. She, she's, a, she's a closet prankster. So for all of those of you who woke up early this morning and put saran wrap on your toilet for your spouse or whatever, uh, congratulations, this is, this is your day. I'm not a, someone who's super into pranks. Um, but I was thinking about it. You know, how, what do you preach on April Fool's Day? Like, like, how, like what, can you tie it in? Because on Mother's Day, I'll preach a Mother's Day sermon about moms and, and Father's Day about dads and all that kind of stuff. But um, what do you do on April Fool's Day? And I started thinking, you know, a lot of people who don't believe what I believe kind of think what I believe is foolish. And I get that. I totally get that. The fact that I would believe that Jesus came as the Son of God from heaven, to walk as a man on earth, to perform miracles, to live a perfectly sinless life, to die, to be buried, and then to celebrate what we celebrate today, the resurrection. That is hard to swallow. And maybe for some of you, in the back of your mind, you're thinking to yourself, man, I I don't know. That's just a, I'll go to church. I like the Christian thing, uh, at least some of it. Uh, depending on the denomination. Um, and so I, I, I like that. I'll read my Bible. I want to become a better person. I realize that Jesus was a good man and that he taught me to love people and all that, uh, all those types of things. But at the end of the day, what do I do about the resurrection? Here's the problem. The resurrection is what makes everything else work. Everything hinges On the resurrection. Everything. And so it would be difficult for me if I got to heaven uh, or I died and God was like, April fools, there was no resurrection. This was awesome. We were just dying up here. Anyway, that would be a tough one for me. So what I wanted to do was show you some other reasons why I believe in the resurrection. At least why it makes sense to me. You can believe if you want to or not. And then show you the importance in your own life of why this day that we celebrate, why we say he is risen, he is risen indeed, while even that phrase, that creed is important to us. 
And then maybe, maybe you don't even believe in God or you're agnostic or whatever. Maybe at the end of today, hopefully, you will rethink what you think. Maybe you don't come all the way around, but maybe you go, okay, at least I understand why some people believe the way they believe. What we're going to do first is we're going to take a little history lesson. And we're going to start with Jesus' death. Jesus died around 30 to 32 AD. We don't know exactly which year uh, that he died because he was born and then he um, uh, had, he, he was he had this three-year ministry. He's 30 when he died. And so we, we just don't know exactly when it is. But we're going to, for the sake of argument and the sake of almost every scholar, it was between uh, 30 and 32 AD. Now, what we're going to look at is the guy who really helps confirm in me my belief in the resurrection. And it's not Jesus. <laughs> it's the Apostle Paul. See, The Apostle Paul to me, as somebody who likes to listen to reason and think about reason and enjoys science and enjoys history and all these things, the Apostle Paul is somebody to me that I have a hard time just dismissing. Because scholars, almost all of them, matter of fact, all of them, I believe, whether, when I say scholars, I don't mean just people who who are, who are, um, Uh, doctors in seminary. I'm talking about theologians who don't believe in God. That's what they do. Their job is to think about a God they don't believe in and to poke holes, to think critically. All of those scholars as well. They all believe that Paul existed. (laughs) All of them. In the capacity that most of us believe he existed. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul wrote uh, 13 letters, some to churches, some to individuals. Even the most critical scholars believe that he wrote six of them. So even if you're super critical and you're like, well, I heard that there there was some discussion of whether Paul wrote this one or that one. I'm throwing those out for now. I'm just going to be talking about the six that he wrote, that we all agree he wrote. As a matter of fact, we're going to spend time in one. One uh, epistle. We're going to reference another one, Galatians, but we're going to go to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians was a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. The church in Corinth was much like us. They were really into science. They were really into information. They were really into Facebook and things like that. They chisel it out on these rocks and then show everyone. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so they were, they were really into community. They were really into knowing. They wanted to be right. They wanted to get science right. You know, they were, they were Gnostics, what we call Gnostics. So, so what had happened is Paul had gone into this, this city and he had shared the gospel. And I'll talk about a little bit about what I mean by the gospel with them. And they were starting to fall away because they were struggling with this, this concept of the resurrection. The resurrection just seemed too big of a hit. Okay, so Paul writes this letter in A.D. 55. Now, if you do the math, that's about uh, 25, right, to 23 years after the resurrection. Now, some scholars at this point say, see, it's too far away from the resurrection. It's too far away. There could have been some stories that came up. And Paul is just fabricating these stories with them. Except for the fact that if you think about it, 23 to 25 years really isn't that far away. I mean, you probably can remember if you're, well, over seven. You could probably remember 
25 years ago. For some of us that are older, like myself, I absolutely remember 25 years ago. I remember what was happening in the news. I remember uh, what house I lived in. I remember all my friends. I remember people that I came in contact with. Well, this is really important as we look at this. It's 25 years ago. But the thing is, this letter was written three years after he actually got there. He got there in 52, which is only 20 years after the resurrection. Do you know that 20 years ago, Princess Di died? <laughs> That's how, like, you guys remember that? Of course you do. It was only 20 years ago and it was a really big deal, okay? Of course you remember that. You probably, you, some of you remember where you were. Some of you remember who you were talking to. Some of you remember all the facts of what was going on. My point is this. 20 years ago, and it, with an event that's very important, is not that long ago. And so Paul writes this, and he's writing to remind them about when he was there uh, three years prior. Here's the other problem. In Cyprus, in 44, he preached this almost exact same sermon. So now, we're like 12 years to 14 years away. And guess what Paul's talking about? The resurrection. 14 years after it happened, he's talking about the resurrection. Now think about that. If I was trying to tell you something that didn't happen 14 years after it happened, it would be very simple. You don't even have to Google it. It would be very simple for you to find out whether or not that happened. It's not Google, it's Snopes, actually, is how you know I'm kidding about that for those of you who use that. You could easily look at my look at the people around me at the time. You could find out anything. I mean, if it's a if it's a big event, it doesn't take that much to figure it out. Well, in Cyprus, he was preaching almost an identical sermon about the resurrection. In 40, he visits Peter. Now, this is Eight to ten years after the resurrection. And in Galatians, which every scholar agrees, Paul wrote, he's talking about spending 15 days with Peter. Now, one of two things happened while he was with Peter. Either he sat down with Peter and said, listen, this whole Christianity thing, I want in. Okay? So tell me what I'm supposed to say so that if we ever get caught, our stories collaborate. What is it? Oh, the resurrection? Sweet. So here's my plan. I'm going to plant a whole bunch of churches around Asia Minor, and I'm going to get flogged all day, okay? I'm going to have people throw rocks at me, and then I'll make it really difficult for me. They'll chase me out of town, and I'll go on a ship, which is one of the most dangerous things you could do during that time, and I'll travel around, and I'll tell this made-up story. Oh, and I won't get paid. Ready? Break. Okay? I don't think he did that. I think when he was with Peter for 15 days, he said, what was it like? Tell me what it was like to walk with Jesus. Like, I'm walking with him now, but it's nothing like what you did. Tell me about when he fed the 5,000. What was that like? Tell me. I've heard stories. Is it true? Is it true that he actually did that? Peter's like, yeah. Paul's like, hey, seriously, don't, no bull right now. Did you walk on water? Come on, just tell me right now. No one's around. Peter's like, for a couple steps. I, I, I did it for a couple steps and then I lost my faith. That's what I'd be talking about. I think they spent most of the time talking about the resurrection. And then Paul, uh, Paul who's not an idiot, he's very smart. 
He was a Pharisee. He was moving up in his craft of being a Pharisee. He was in a position of power and growing in power. He was smart. If you read the book of Romans, which is another book that all scholars believe he wrote, it's like a, it's like reads like a, uh, like a law letter. Uh, it's just incredible. Just the theological depth of what he was saying. You know what Romans starts with? This incredible, just rich theological book. The Resurrection. Chapter 1, right in the beginning. This is Paul. He visits Peter for 15 uh, days. You know what? Prior to that, he became a follower of Jesus. Jesus, in a miraculous way, met him on the road to Damascus. Now you might say, aha, that one you can't prove. No, you can't. You can't. But what happened to Paul's life after that event... Just seven to five years after Jesus lived, died, was buried, and rose from the dead. Paul would have been around everybody. Do you think for a moment that he was like, oh, sweet. I had this vision and I went blind on a road to Damascus while I was going to go persecute Christians. Well, that's good enough for me. I'll just start. No. He'd do what you and I would do. Tell me about Jesus. The one that he says I'm persecuting. I'll bet I know what he talked about. The only reason you'd follow Jesus. The resurrection. The resurrection is everything. It's what all that I believe on hinges upon. That Jesus lived. He died. He was buried. And on the third day, he rose again. I'll go so far as to say this. I'll bet my life on that. Because Paul did. And because I've seen people throughout generations do that. Because knowing about the resurrection is one thing. But following that Savior, following that Lord, placing your life in His hands is a completely different thing. So what I want to do is read part of the letter that Paul wrote to these people in in Corinth. And I'm going to slow it down just a little bit. He says, now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you. This was back in uh, 52 when he was there. This is the gospel that he preached to him. You think about the gospel. What's the gospel? It just means good news. So what's the good news that Paul was preaching? And he wants to remind them of this good news. And then he, he reminds them what you received and on which you have taken your stand. They're taking a stand on this. This is, this is the foundation of what they believe. This is it. By this gospel you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. In other words, if you start to take this gospel and make it some type of a self-help thing where I think I'm just going to get my religion right or... I'm going to do some of the things that Jesus taught on the Sermon on the Mount. Those are all great things, don't get me wrong. But that's not what we anchor our faith into. And if we begin to lose the resurrection, if we begin to lose this thing, we begin to believe in vain. He says, for what I received, not only from his Damascus road, but from his meeting with Peter and his interviews with all the people around Jerusalem, which would have been about that time. For what I received, I passed on to you as first importance. Number one, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. 
That's number one. That he was buried. So he didn't die. They did CPR and then ta-da, he's back again. He was buried. And that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. That's the gospel. That's the good news. That in Jesus dying and being buried and resurrecting from the dead, I have hope that he will conquer death in my life. I have hope that he will conquer the dead things that I'm struggling with. I have hope that he rules and he reigns and that I can serve him with my entire life. If he just died and was buried, because I know religion, there'd be a tomb with his headstone and it would become a holy place. Now I know there's an empty tomb that that we, we look at, maybe or maybe not, but he was not in there. And so the fact that he died, was buried and is resurrected gives me hope that that resurrection power, the Bible says, is alive in me now. So he goes on and he says, that's the good news. That's what you need to make your your primary thing. The resurrection of Jesus. And then he goes on to give them some, because they're, they're in Colossia and they like to think and they like to reason. And he says, and he appeared to Cephas. And then the twelve. So he's like, I know about that. I went and I talked to them. He actually did spend some time with James, which we'll see in just a second, the brother of John. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living. In other words, go check for yourself. I came from Jerusalem. You can go back, you can go back there. Start asking around. You'll meet some. Now he says, some have fallen asleep. And I, I just love that language. Because people who are followers of Jesus, who have, 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 have placed their life in this resurrection power, who have said, yes, Lord, I need you to rule and reign in my life. Death is just falling asleep and ending up where you were supposed to be in the first place, in relation to others and in relation to your heavenly Father, with Jesus on the throne. Sometimes I feel like Christians over the past few decades have turned heaven into this weird, like, like cloud place where you get a harp. I don't, I mean, the harp is beautiful, but if, if all of y'all have one, I, it's just going to not, I don't want to hear that, okay? Even if you're good at it. That's not heaven. The Bible doesn't describe heaven like that. It describes it as the new Jerusalem, a bustling city where we're all in our, what we call glorified bodies. Paul says it this way, if I've been given a physical body, I've been given a spiritual body. And so to him, it's just falling asleep and waking up in your glorified body with Jesus and with other people who are followers of Jesus. Then he goes on, he says, he appeared, then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Now, this is another fascinating thing to me. James was, was Jesus' brother, okay? Well, half-brother, technically. So, so James is Jesus' brother. When Jesus had his ministry, James didn't believe he was the son of God. He's doing all these miracles. He's traveling all around. And James is like, hey, when are you going to reveal yourself, man? When are you going to reveal yourself? And Jesus is like, it's not my time. It's not my time. I can just picture, because I have a brother. I can just picture myself going, yeah, right. Okay. In other words, when are you going to re- reveal how you're doing all this stuff? Because I know my brother. 
and he ain't the son of God. I'll tell you that right now. And all of you would look at your siblings and go, yeah, maybe that neighbor down the street, but not, not mine. James ended up following Jesus as Lord and Savior. Do you know why? The resurrection. After the resurrection, James is like, oh, okay, I watched you die. Mom watched you die. And now you're back again. And so Paul's talking about that. Look, I visited Cephas. There's 500 who saw him. And Paul ended up dying for this. So when I say I believe in the resurrection, I'm not just saying I believe in, in the, the gospels, the way, you know, all this kind of stuff. I'm, I'm talking, I, I do believe all that. But there's more than just that to, to be able to put your faith in Christ. And there's one other thing that's mind-boggling. Remember this? I showed this to you. This was the gospel according to Paul. That Christ died for our sins according to the scripture, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. That sounds fine. I mean, that sounds like Paul would have written that. But what's amazing about this is Paul was quoting something. He didn't come up with this on his own. He was quoting a creed. Now, to you and I, we don't really think of creeds anymore. You know, if you've been around church for a long time, we, we've had the Apostles' Creed, which has been around since about 400 A.D. Uh, the Apostles' Creed, I believe in God the Father, uh, Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. You know, that, that creed, there's a whole creed of, of what they believe. The reason they had creeds back then was because very few people could read. And so you could hand out a pamphlet to somebody, but only about 12% of the population could actually read. The way they transmitted information was orally. That doesn't mean they were making up stories. It, was, it meant that, that the leaders, when they got to something that really needed to be passed down, they would write a creed. And, and this doesn't do it justice because it's in English, and it was, it was actually probably started in Aramaic and then translated into Greek. So I've done something for you this morning. I have created a creed for you that you can take with you everywhere you go. You ready? You don't even have to be able to read. I'll bet you in 15 seconds you'll know this creed. You ready? I'll say it first. Christ died for our sins and went to the grave. He rose from the dead so that we could be saved. You got that? Let's say it together. Christ died for our sins and went to the grave. He rose from the dead so that we could be saved. Christ died for our sins and went to the grave. He rose from the dead so that we can be saved. You probably remember that for the rest of your life. That's what a creed is. Now, why is this important? Because the oral tradition preceded the writing. People were saying this all over Jerusalem through oral tradition, through this creed. So it wasn't that Paul just all of a sudden, 35, 25 years later from the resurrection, decided to come up with some wacky idea. This had been going on. Why? Because the resurrection really happened. People really saw it. There were really eyewitnesses. And it placed Jesus in a whole different light. He now sits at the right hand of the throne of the Father. This is why we celebrate Easter. We connect with over 2,000 years of people who believe 
that Christ died for our sins and went to the grave. He rose from the dead so that we could be saved. Listen to what Paul writes later after this. If Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. He's like, this, this is it, guys. This is it. And what he's trying to get them to understand is that this world, this life, this kingdom, all the striving we do, all the worrying we do, all the, all the pressure we have, all the, we, 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 we keep getting smarter and smarter and smarter and more information and we get more addicted, more stressed out, more heart disease, more anxiety. I think it should go the other way, don't you? Well, the smarter we get, shouldn't the calmer we get? Because we know everything's all taken care of. It doesn't work that way. Paul says we need something else. And just because this was written in 55 AD doesn't make it any less true. He says, if he's not been raised, then this is it. This is our life, our lot here in life. As a matter of fact, after this, he just says, he quotes their, their philosopher and says, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you're going to die. <laughs> like, that, that's it. You know, he's being sarcastic. Uh, he says, if, if Christ, again, a couple uh, verses later, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You're still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most pity. Because it's not just this life. It's eternity with Jesus, with the saints, with our Heavenly Father. That's why Jesus died, was buried, and rose again. So that we could be saved from just having to live this life. We were never created for this. We were created to commune with each other, to commune with our Heavenly Father. And our world's broken now. And this is the way God has chosen to fix it. He, he makes another great argument. And for us, why do we endanger ourselves every hour? Like, in other words, if Christ wasn't raised from the dead, why would I be doing this? I face death every day, yes, just as surely as I boast about you in Christ Jesus our Lord. If I fought wild beasts in Ephesus with no more than human hopes, what have I gained? <laughs> right? And if you read, there's another part that he, re, that he writes about his life, about all the hardship he's gone through. You know what he says? I count all those things as loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. He says, for these temp... After he, he, he goes through all these horrible things that happens, he says, these temporary light afflictions. <laughs> I read it and I'm like, that's tough. He says, they don't, they don't... They pale in comparison to the eternal weight of glory. Christ died for our sins and went to the grave. He rose from the dead so that we could be saved. It's a, it's a funny little limerick and it's like nice, but that's because we can all read. <laughs> but for them, they would take these creeds and they would own it. And many, many of these believers died for their faith. They, they, they died for the belief in following Jesus. They took it all the way to the limit. Do you know why? The resurrection. The resurrection changed everything. The resurrection got people to believe in things they never would have believed in. The resurrection got people to do things they never would have done. The resurrection got people to love people they never would have loved. 
It got people to give what they never would have given. As Audra comes back up, I want to ask you a series of questions. You know, I realize that in a group this size, uh, there's all sorts of people from all sorts of different backgrounds. Maybe for some of you, you were drugged here by your family because you're like, it's Easter and you're going to go to church. And you're like, oh man, can I watch it online? Yes, you can. Uh, but you didn't. And we're glad you're here. It's better when you're here anyway. But you might be in a place where you're like, man, I don't even know how anybody can believe that. I, I listen to blogs, and, I mean to podcasts, and I read lots of things on the internet, and I'm smart, and I, and I get all that, and you are. But you do not have to give up science in order to believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. Is it ultimately going to come down to a, a step of faith? Absolutely. Like most of your decisions do. It will. But it's not necessarily based in just made-up stuff. And so for you, my, my hope is this. Maybe you don't leave here as just a full-on follower of Jesus going, wow, John, you convinced me this is the greatest thing in the world. But would you reconsider? Would you rethink your position? You've just been given some information. Would you rethink it? Would you even test Maybe at one point, maybe you pray to your Heavenly Father. Maybe it starts off something like this. God, I don't even know if you exist. But I'm going to keep my eyes open this week, and I'm going to see if you reveal yourself to me in any way. That's very bold of me to say, isn't it? But I, I, for someone who believes, it's not bold at all. For some of you, your relationship with Christ has become this thing of just like do's and don'ts and and and, you know, right and wrong and all that, and that's great. Those things are very, very important. But have you lost the sense that you've been saved from yourself? That this resurrection power can be in you? That you are, are, are walking as one who's been redeemed by the blood of Jesus be through this resurrection power? And then there's others of you who maybe have walked away. Maybe the church has been the problem. You know, you, were, you grew up in the church and for some reason you got your feelings hurt or you started like reading things and going, well, what they said in church and I saw this thing and this looks more right than this does. And I, I would just ask you to do this. Maybe you could take a step back to come back for a while. We have a perfect series for you. Relationships is harmless for the most part. <laughs> and maybe you just come back to church. You come back and try to reconnect. Because I'll bet you, I'll bet you there was a time when you sensed him. When you knew. But something happened. And so I'd ask you to give that a try again. And then others of you, this is your time. You already, you already knew that walking in. You're already nervous. That is like, man, he's going to talk to me about Jesus and I'm going to have to make some changes in my life. And absolutely, absolutely. But it's not done by yourself. It's done with this resurrection power that he has available to you. 
It's done in community, like we're doing right now, and like we do in our small groups, and like we do with one-on-one conversations. It's not crazy to believe in the resurrection. It's really not. And for those of us who have placed our lives in this belief, who are doing our best to walk with Jesus, it would almost be impossible for us not to believe. So what I'd like us to do is to just bow our heads and uh, we're going to hold off. Ajo, Ajo, you're not going to do it. Yeah. Just bow our heads and close our eyes. And um, I'm going to say a prayer for us. You can agree with whichever part of it you want, disagree with all of it. But my goal is that today you would take a step toward Jesus. That you would take a step towards turning your life towards him. Maybe you've been following him your whole life and you're actually doing great. You talk to him during the day, you walk with him. But the command is to follow me. And maybe there's an area in your life where you say, you know what, I got I to gotta start following again in this area. It's just not right. Lord Jesus, we are here. We come from all different backgrounds, all different beliefs. And Lord, for some of us, the resurrection is difficult. It it didn't happen just 25 years ago. It happened 2,000 years ago. And Lord, it's difficult. But there's something in us that's missing something that science and information can't fulfill. Jesus, if that is you, would you this week show me in a way, reveal yourself to me in a way. Lord, I want my best to open my eyes to see you you and to hear your voice. And Lord, for those that believe, they believe in you, but it's just, it's hard to just put our whole lives into your hands. That's just, that's tough. Lord, I pray you'd give them the the strength to do that, the boldness to do that, to be able to begin to follow you, to ask for forgiveness for the past and to have you, however it starts out, to become Lord of their lives. And I pray for those who've been gone, the prodigals. Lord, I know you're running to them already they would just turn and begin to come towards you. I pray you'd give them the boldness to do that as well. To turn to you, their heavenly father. So Lord, for all of us here, we can all follow you to another degree. I pray that we would be able to do that. We'd be able to surround ourselves with people who can move us forward in that. We ask this in your name. In the name of Jesus, amen.